Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has overturned that state's pandemic-related stay-at-home order, ruling it unlawful and unenforceable In a 4-3 decision, the court ruled that Democratic Governor Tony Evers' administration overstepped its authority when the state extended the order to May 26th. Wisconsin is reopening. Attorney David Shostokas, the author of Constitutional Soundbites, could that happen in Illinois soon? It could happen in Illinois soon, but on a very, very different basis. The Wisconsin Supreme Court decision was specific to Wisconsin law. There were some specific things that empowered a non-elected official, uh, Department of Health director, to um, execute certain rules and regulations. But there was limits on what, uh, what she could do. So it was state-specific to Wisconsin law. Here in Illinois, there are any number of challenges pending against what uh, Governor Pritzker has uh, issued orders, and he's issued orders basically on his own principal authority. He's issued orders under an Illinois Emergency uh, Management Act, and that act gives the governor certain authority and certain powers to last particularly 30 days when, in fact, the governor has declared a particular kind of disaster. His first order should have, by its own terms, expired on April the 9th. It should have been over, and that would be the end of his emergency authority without returning to the legislature for additional authority. The governor has declared serial disasters on the premise that, in fact, he can assume these powers consecutively by issuing new orders every 30 days. And that is not how the state law in Illinois allows him to operate. In fact, there's a 2001 uh, attorney general opinion from the um, administration way back under uh, Attorney General James Ryan, indicating that, in fact, the 30 days means 30 days, and the governor's powers expire at the end of those 30 days, absent acts by the legislature. And, in fact, that's the purpose of the 30 days, is to give the legislature the opportunity to weigh in on how to manage a uh, particular kind of disaster. And so the governor's authority expired on April the 9th. He continues to issue orders. These orders are outside the authority that he claims. But beyond all that, the orders that uh, he's been issuing, as i am been fond of saying in uh, in certain circumstances, the Bill of Rights has no emergency exception to it. And to the extent that the governor has ordered people not to operate their business, not to leave their homes, not to uh, see their doctors, not to do any number of things that are consistent with our liberties. Not to go to churches. Not to go to churches. Specifically not to go to churches, particularly declared churches to be non-essential, along with all kinds of things he declared non-essential, but churches were among them. And in fact, he was challenged by that, uh, by, a, by a church group, a beloved church in northwestern Illinois. Within the uh, time frame that the uh, church had filed the lawsuit and the uh, time before the judge made a decision on that case, the governor had added churches to the essential list, although he limited them in many respects to how they could conduct their services. And this still goes beyond what his constitutional authority is. First Amendment has, of course, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of uh, peaceable assembly, and the right to petition the government. In those circumstances, those freedoms are all applicable to actions by state government through the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment uh, indicates that no state shall deprive its citizens or any other person of life, liberty, 
pursuit of happiness, if you will, without due process of law. And in each of the instances that the governors issued these orders, it is not provided for uh, notice. They don't serve an individual church with a notice that says you cannot open today. You're entitled to notice of your law. You're entitled to notice of the law. Since they don't give them notice, there's no opportunity for the church to contest uh, in order to not operate uh, before that. These kinds of things are missing in the constitutional scheme of things. There are certain rights within the United States Constitution that are considered to be fundamental. Certainly uh, speech and religion are among these fundamental rights. The Supreme Court has frequently said that if the government is going to interfere with the exercise of any of these fundamental rights. They have to have one thing, show that there's a compelling and important governmental interest. I would probably concede that under the circumstances at the moment, there's a compelling and important governmental interest. But the second thing, the second part of the puzzle to make activities that interfere with these fundamental rights legal is that the government has to achieve its purpose by the least restrictive means possible. And when you uh, tell everybody you can't go out of your house, or tell everybody you can't go to uh, this particular bar, or you can't go to church. These blanket orders are clearly not the least restrictive means possible. What's the governor's motivation? He says he wants to keep people safe. Are there some motivations there that are a little bit more political? Certainly I can't get into the governor's head uh, from, that, uh, from that perspective, but I would suggest that from a um, political standpoint, there's something that I've run across that uh, certainly gives me pause. And there's a uh, spot on the uh, State of Illinois website that asks citizens to, in fact, inform on their fellow citizens, whether they're operating a business, if uh, somebody's given a haircut that they're not supposed to, if uh, people have left their home for something non-essential, like, oh, I don't know, I want to go for a Sunday ride. The Illinois Department of KGB. Yes, uh, very good, Illinois Department of KGB. They're asking the neighbors, they're asking everybody to spy on each other uh, and their neighbors. And uh, this is kind of uh, in line with the uh, movement of uh, blue states uh, to uh, more more control people's lives. I would speculate that it's about control and about power. It's not about safety. Well, like other states, the economy in Illinois continues to crash in the wake of the pandemic. The governor says he's concerned, but opening states too soon would lead to more deaths. You contend the argument is not lives versus the economy but lives versus lives, and you're a case in point. That's exactly right. I would certainly suggest that this is not about lives versus jobs, as uh, so often are lives versus the economy. We have these circumstances where in case or in preparation for a potential COVID-19 outbreak, where the governor has actually in some ways uh, commandeered the healthcare system. Uh, and um, my personal uh, story I can tell is back on uh, the 2nd of January, I, uh, I had a heart attack. And as part of the recovery of the heart attack, I was prescribed to do what they call cardiac rehab. And that gets your, uh, gets your heart, you're in a situation where you're uh, have hooked up to the EKG and they're taking your pulse and there's nurses monitoring. There's a doctor upstairs and whatnot. And so, uh, so you feel very comfortable in doing the exercise necessary to get your heart muscle back in shape post heart attack to survive again to increase your odds of actually living and uh, they determined that this cardiac rehab which is monitored by nurses and doctors is elective and non-essential the place where i've been going for cardiac rehab was uh, included there was 200 people involved in it so rehab that could keep you alive 
is non-essential. That's been the determination of the politicians. The politicians have been making the decisions between uh, the caregivers and their patients, as opposed to, uh, of course, the, uh, the famous line that apparently is very famous for Democrats is uh, medical decisions should be between the doctor and the patient. Yeah, well, they make that argument in favor of abortion all the time. Yes, and uh, I, would like to th- I would like to think that somebody that makes that argument for abortion should be able to make that uh, for heart patients or people uh, that need a colonoscopy to determine if they're going to have cancer. Exactly, and you're just one person, and multiply that by many people out there. I would say millions. I would say it's, it's easy millions that are not getting the pre- preventative or rehab care, or we're going to wind up suffering uh, death. And that doesn't count the, uh, mental, the mental and emotional problems that uh, come from this, uh, this lockdown circumstance that is going to cost us greatly. Because I can tell you, not having the rehab, uh, having had an injury to your heart, weighs on your head and uh, so they, and so not being able to address those kinds of things because they might get they might get some COVID-19 patients is really really dangerous for me personally and for at least 200 other people I know uh, similar situated well think about women who want mammograms right now they're not essential right yeah, yeah. no the, the list the list goes on of uh, the things that are uh, non-essential. I can um, talk about my 91-year-old mother who uh, had a chip in her tooth. It, would, it took forever to track down a dentist, an oral, oral surgeon that would in fact deal with that because most of those people are closed and not allowed to do dental work. Dental work is non-essential. Wow. Well, you're involved in a case involving a pastor who'd like to fully open his church. We want to talk about that when Illinois Family Spotlight continues. This judge is trying to police pronouns. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. In February, the Alliance Defending Freedom filed suit on behalf of three Connecticut females, each high school track athletes who are being forced to compete against biological males. The case itself is bizarre enough, whether or not biological males possess inherent athletic advantage. But in a phone hearing last month, the presiding judge demanded that ADF attorneys refer to the male athletes as females throughout the proceedings, as if that's not what the whole case is about. To not refer to these males as females, said the judge, would be, quote, not consistent with science or human decency. As ADF attorneys have noted, their entire case is based on the fact that the athlete's gender identity is not consistent with science. To compel their speech would force them to surrender this argument. So ADF has called for the judge's recusal, and rightly so, since he's already made clear he's not capable of adjudication, only activism. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here. Let's continue our conversation with attorney David Shostokas, the author of Constitutional Soundbites. David, our listeners and viewers need to read your book. Where can they get it? They can get Constitutional Soundbites uh, on Amazon. And uh, they can also find Creating the Declaration of Independence there, which talks about those 55 words that start with, we hold these truths to be self-evident. David, churches all over the state are taking legal action so they can more fully open to in-person worship. There are freedom of religion and freedom of peaceable assembly issues here. Yes, there are. There's freedom of religion, uh, freedom to freely exercise religion, the freedom to exercise your religion. 
Supreme Court has certainly determined that the government can't define how you exercise your religion. And one of the things that uh, the governor is trying to do is say, you can only have 10 people, you can only do this, you can only meet here. Uh, this, that's not the free exercise of religion. And certainly many of the, many of the churches that are uh, seeking to open uh, are interested in having their full range of services available to their uh, parishioners or congregants, and uh, the governor is inhibiting uh, that. So they're not able to freely exercise, nor are they able to assemble with one another, despite the fact that many of them, uh, when they want to do that, will in fact take the appropriate precautions and act responsibly. If there's a pastor out there, a congregation that wants to fully open, they don't know how they can go about doing that. What are your suggestions? Well, certainly uh, they have the ability to uh, go to court. Uh, and I would uh, suggest that, in fact, they do so. They find uh, appropriate, competent uh, legal counsel. But certainly when you talk to IFI, I know that IFI is uh, very, very uh, involved in assisting churches and pastors, finding counsel that will assist them. We're helping to facilitate this, and if you're interested, you might want to give us a call at 708-781-9328. We'll try to make a connection there to uh, get you on board with this. David, you're representing Standing in the Word Ministries in Morris, which is taking steps to more fully open. We're now joined by the leader of Standing in the Word Ministries, Pastor Richard Gibinetti. Pastor, why do this? Can't you just meet online or 10 people at a time? Well, it's vital for us as the body of Christ to be able to come together. Our congregations are family, and family needs each other. So much of our counseling, so much of the things that we do are connected to being able to come together in the free exercise of our religion. You know, just doing church online is, is okay, but it's not what church is designed for. People need each other. People need to be able to come together. They need to be able to fellowship. They need ministry. They need prayer. They need counseling. These are things that you just cannot do unless you are coming together as a local body. How are local authorities responding to your decision to more fully open? The thing that we did was first that we contacted them all. We wanted to make sure just where they stood on the matter and that how we could best assimilate ourselves back into things and begin to try to make decisions on how we might try to go forward. We wanted to see just where they stood so we could work together as a team. And we're finding right now that probably all over the state, there's a lot of local law enforcement and areas that really want to see things begin to come back to the normal. And that's one of the things that we're doing. And that's what we are finding, that they really want to see us come back together. But you're defying the governor. Is that biblical? It's biblical in the sense that we are standing up for our Constitution and the, and the laws of this nation and the laws of our state. They give us the right to free assembly and to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When you have a almost like a tyrannical type of approach, which kind of comes in and tries to govern how you can think, how you can act, how you can speak, and even how you can believe or just where you can, that is adverse to our Constitution. So what I'm really doing is we're standing up for the Constitution in which our founding fathers established and we have the right to uphold even as even as members of the body of Christ. Have you heard from the governor's office? No, we have not. No, we have not at all. The governor hasn't said a word to us yet. And had our goal isn't to get a, you know, like into a one-on-one -on -one with the governor. What we want to do is you, we just want to push back to kind of let him understand that there is an overreach that we as the citizens and as churches in a reasonable fashion and in a safe fashion, we should be allowed to exercise our free rights as believers and as Americans without having those infringed upon. Well, if the governor gave you a call, what would you say to him? 
Hi, sir. Um, with all respect for your office, because remember, we always respect the office of our governors. We always want to pray for our leaders. We want to speak the highest regard to them and just encourage them. Sir, please trust the Illinois people because we are we are good citizens. We are solid Americans, and we will do what is in our best interest and in the best interest of our congregations. We do want health and safety, but I believe we as churches have the same right, and we can assemble just like Walmart and the big box stores and Walgreens and everybody else we should know how to be able to social distance please trust us to do what everybody else is allowed to do you mentioned the big box stores uh, the big supermarkets and the abortion centers are allowed to stay open do you feel like you're being discriminated against well it seems like the the situation was is that other people could come together and even though he tried to say yes sure churches could be essential But I'm only going to limit you to about nine people. That kind of falls into the line if we believe that there is a discrimination taking place here. When you can trust these others that have full parking lots and full stores, and yet you're willing to limit churches, it almost seems like there's an object here. We don't want to allow churches to come together. That's how it can seem to be that churches somehow are being exempt from the ability to come together. And that is a type of, I don't know discrimination. You think maybe the governor just doesn't have an understanding about the importance of in-sanctuary worship and of fellowship? Well, I would believe that if our lawmakers really asked pastors and churches and leaders, they would find out even as a governor that your that your state is made up of individuals. It's made up of families and homes and people that need fellowship and they need God and they need to be able to come together and worship. I believe that the governor should have first called all the churches together and asked them to pray for the state, to pray for our people, to pray for our health, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our government. If, if they really understood just what the church does, pretty much as the, as the guts and the backbone of a nation, we are here to hold it accountable before God and to keep it blessed. I think he should have addressed us first and allowed us to freely worship. I think that would have been in his best interest. Has the pandemic caused you to rethink ministry? I think it has in the sense that because we've seen such a huge need going on now in the nation, I think it should broaden the perspective of the body of Christ. I think as believers and as churches, we need to sometimes, we need to open ourselves up more and more. There's a lot of people out there that have an awful lot of needs. Sometimes as churches in a nation, we tend to become a little bit more to ourselves and we forget our call is evangelistic. And when you find that people are hurting and sick, that really needs to open the door for us to be more effective on how we begin to reach out. Because this nation really now needs God. This nation is in a desperate state. Our state is in a desperate state. And church is the answer because church has the word of God, which is the best interest for the people. What do you think God is saying to us during this pandemic? Well, I would say he's saying, wake up. I would say that anything can be used in order to turn people around for the good. I believe that God can use whatever is meant for evil for good in the sense that it can, it can force us to have to come back to him and to begin to trust him again that God, you are God and man is not God. We are created in his image and likeness. God is not created in ours. We are to be one nation under God. We, and we derive everything we get from his word and from his authority. And sometimes the pandemic can't bring us back to the place where, where we need to recognize who he is. How are people in your church responding to the pandemic spiritually? Are they praying more? Are they reading the Bible more? Are they reflecting more? What? Well, one of the things that, that we're trying to do as a church is to stir up pastors all over the state, all over the area, to really come together in what they can in the groups of nine or less and begin to really pray for our state and for our nation. One, to pray for healing. Two, begin to pray for our leaders and our lawmakers. 
Three, to just implore heaven. One, you know, you know, Lord, forgive us our sins. You know, because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I can hear from heaven, I can forgive their sins, and I can heal their land. That's the body of Christ, really getting our people, one, become repentive over, over, even over the sins of a nation, and especially in the abortion industry. We've seen millions of lives lost. The church can now come to the place of repentance for a nation and then begin to pray for a restoration. A restoration. Do you think the church, your church, other churches here in Illinois will be better off spiritually down the road post-pandemic? If they choose to be. If the body of Christ is willing, if churches are willing to grasp this as a season where, I'm going to say it this way, we almost lost our freedoms, we almost lost our nation, and if we as the church don't begin to become more spiritually declared and more bolder in our statements and our declaration, we could come to a place again where we have lawmakers trying to decide what is or what is not the best for us, which is against our Constitution. Churches need to be able to become more effective and more useful spiritually for this nation, and I'm hoping that they do. Because if they do, then no matter what comes down the road, we will not lose our nation in this kind of a status again. Well, proponents of continuing the shutdown might argue that for churches this is really not about faith worship and fellowship it's really about money tithes and offering how do you respond well first of all they're you know they're wrong but let's just go this way if you want to talk about money and everything else let's look at walmart let's look at jewel let's look at osco let's look at all the other big corporations which are actually pulling in billions upon billions of dollars while you got small business owners having been shut down Church is an essential need. And yeah, there's tithes in their offerings, just like everything else, except for, folks, we're about the ministry to people, those that are hurting. And Walmart's not ministering to hurting people. They may have food in their aisles, but they're not ministering to the fears and the concerns and to the anxieties. Church is the, is the vital essence that can bring people to a place where they can have peace in the midst of a pandemic. We are aggressively essential. Well, there are a lot of pastors who have decided to go along with the shutdown. What's your message to them? This would be my challenge. You are an American citizen, number one. Do not abdicate or throw away your right to vote and be a member of this nation. You're a pastor, you're a Christian, but you're also a citizen. You have a great blessing and a right and a responsibility to vote in this nation. And therefore, because you are a spiritual individual, you have a responsibility and a right to challenge your elected officials. They need to line up with the Constitution. Your right to free exercise your religion is bound up in that document. And if you do not take your stand now, you could lose your right. You are a central pastor. You need to step up. You need to step forward and, and allow your voice to be heard and let your lawmakers, without apology, know that you are a man of God, you are a woman of God, you are operating for the best interests of your people and the best interests of the state, and your lawmakers need to hear from you. Tell us briefly about Standing in the Word Ministries. Standing in the Word Ministries, which is located in Morris, Illinois, we're a ministry that wants to minister to the heart and soul of a nation and a generation. We believe that America has been founded on the greatest principles of the Bible. We also believe that a generation has almost been lost. And we want to see the body of Christ to be once again brought back up to the place of being radically effective. We believe this nation's days can be great ahead of it. But without the church being effective, it will not happen. As Standing in the Word Ministries, our goal is to equip and empower a generation to spiritually confront a nation. We want to hold this nation solid, and that's what we're about. And if people would like to attend 
in person, what should they do? Well, Standing in the Word Ministries is going to have their first Sunday morning service. That's where our goal is on May 24th. It will be a 10 a.m. service. If everything goes well, we will meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. until we see how things are going. Then we may add an evening, 6.30, and then a Wednesday, 7.15. But but until then, start, starting the 24th, with all safety parameters in place, we are hoping to start the 24th of this month at 10 a.m. Will you be preaching with a mask? No, I will not be preaching with a mask, but it is Memorial Day. And we'll be preaching for God and country, the very thing that we as pastors have the right and the freedom and the privilege to preach on, those that gave our lives for our freedom. All right, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you folks for tuning in. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And if you're interested in uh, participating in a lawsuit that could open your church, give us a call here to Illinois Family Institute at 708-781-9328. Please support the work of IFI. All donations are tax deductible. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.